This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com, the special Sweet 16 edition. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table, and Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional better who lives on his winnings. Okay, first up, Marco, I saw a post in the forums um, that said this is your 30th March Madness. So when are we actually going to be updating our intro here? Well, that's up to you. You're the host. Uh, yeah, this is my 30th uh, March Madness, and uh, hard to believe that 30 years I've been doing this, and uh, every year you learn a little more, and that's uh, just like handicapping and just like poker. Every hand's something new. You always learn something new. And since I come to Vegas uh, last January, uh, it's it's incredible being here on the Strip and uh, being at the center of the, the pulse of the sports betting world. You know, actually looking over at you, I can't imagine you've had more than uh, 29 March Madnesses. You know, you put that joke on the forums. Yeah, buy a new joke, <laughs> RJ, okay? <laughs> okay, now, we're not messing around this week. We're going to have a little... F- key factor discussion about all eight games we're not going to break them down in depth we're going to give the one or two key factors that each of our experts here see and i'll be jumping in with a few thoughts myself but not many because we got the two guys here with us that that know their stuff clearly okay so let's go straight into it let's look at game we'll start with thursday's action the first game is going to be connecticut purdue that's a seven oh five start. Connecticut is six and a half. Vegas runner. Well, you know how I feel about Connecticut. I have them as a future, so I want to see them advance, obviously. But uh, I've just been impressed with this team. The way they came out in round one and round two and just didn't look ahead, were focused on the, the task at hand, and just rolled over their opponents. I mean, look what they did to Chattanooga. They beat them by 60. They beat A&M by almost 30. So Purdue's going to have their hands full. <laughs> but when you look at this Purdue team, what I like about them is they play solid defense. And like I always say, when you get the tournament time, it's defense that wins. It's not a coincidence that the top defensive road teams in college basketball are Louisville, UConn, Memphis, Butler, and Pitt in that order. And four of them, five teams, are still in the Sweet 16. So as long as Purdue could play the solid defense that they've played when they went ahead and beat Northern Iowa in a tight one, beat Washington again in a tight one, so it tells me they could win down the stretch in tight games, this should be a good one. Okay, I I find this Connecticut team interesting in that they were because they were perceived to be the worst number one is they've really been looked down upon. I remember uh, just maybe six weeks ago listening to ESPN and one of their key, uh, it might have been Jay Bellis, I'm not sure, said that if you gave him North Carolina and Connecticut, he would bet that over the field. This was about six weeks ago. Now this Connecticut team has fallen out of favor, and I'm not so sure that's not to their advantage, both as a team and for betters. Uh, and that number, that six and a half, doesn't seem particularly high to me. Marco? I agree with everything you said coming in uh, with Connecticut, but I think after what they've done with the first two games, that public perception, now they're back in love with Connecticut. The destruction of Texas A&M was, I mean, that game was pillar to post with Connecticut. And I'm a firm believer, and it's almost like stocks, how people, you know, jump on the bandwagon. You know, you want to buy you know, you want to buy low and sell high. I think the stock is rising back on Connecticut. But with that said, my first reaction, and I'll go to VR with this, when I saw the number on this game, the way Connecticut rolled over Texas A&M on the weekend and the perception of the Big Ten not being strong, when I only saw the opening number of six and a half, I thought the line was low when I saw it. And you know, you know me, if I, if I see a line low, it's going to make me look to the dog and try to find the answer and I think you you nailed it It, it's defense and it's going to be tempo like we talked about last week in the podcast the thing here is if Connecticut gets out on the floor and runs like they did against Texas A&M Purdue has no shot against this team if Purdue can control the tempo and get this into a big 10 type game 
Connecticut's in for some uh, trouble. Okay, now we're going to be discussing some concepts here, and uh, these are all concepts which we covered in our How to Handicap podcast, which is uh, still available. You can just go to pregamepodcast.com, and we did about 40 minutes on all the theories behind the March Madness handicapping, and I thought it was a really instructional uh, podcast, uh, well worth a listen, I think. Now, VR, you mentioned you had a, a future on Connecticut. Uh, what number did you play that at? I got twenty-five to one, and, uh, and when, when that's clearly Connecticut has been a, a team in good favor most of the season. At what point did you play that? Uh, back in October, before the season even tipped off, I believe. But if you remember going in, Notre Dame was hyped really high in the Big East. You know, Pitt was hyped really high in the Big East. Connecticut was actually picked by most people to finish second or third. They weren't picked to win the Eat Big East by many teams, you know, especially by many people, especially how tough the Big East was supposed to be going in. So I got a great price on them. No doubt. And I love their maturity. They're a very mature team. Okay. Now let's go to the second game on Thursday, Duke Villanova. And we have Duke minus two right now. And this is being played uh, in Massachusetts. Okay. Vegas runner thoughts. Uh, huge edge. On the offensive side, I believe, for Duke. Um, usually you're going to look at Coach K and you're going to think the big edge is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. But I really believe against this Villanova team, it's the Duke offense that's going to have the advantage. Uh, Villanova, very impressive of what they've done this far. The only question that still remains is how are they going to react playing outside their backyard? Granted, Boston isn't a far trip for either team. Um, Villanova's closer, of course. But now they're not playing in the comforts of Philadelphia. So they still have to show me that they could win a true road game or a true neutral um, court game. And like I said, shashevsky has got Duke playing perfectly just the way he wants. Um, this is one of his most experienced teams. Uh, the only th- downfall I believe they have is when, you, when they play a very big team, a tall team. They're not as long. They're athletic, but they're just not as long as they were in years past. And when you look at Villanova, although they do like to play the four guards at times, they do have a lot of height. And that's where I believe Duke is going to have to be able to hit from the outside. Their threes are going to have to fall for them to win this game. Okay, now Marco, um, if I recall on a prior podcast, we had a little wager uh, not we, but you and Vegas Runner involving Duke. You want to give us an update on that? Of course, RJ. I'll be happy to. Yes, uh, VR's uh, telling me all the places he wants to go eat when he cashes his winning bet. And uh, the and bet it, is very simple. Uh, Duke has to make the Elite Eight for Vegas Runner to win the bet. So looks like I'll be uh, buying uh, Vegas Runner a meal this week if uh, Duke gets there. Now, are, are you thinking of Hadron at this point? <laughs> Uh, you know, no, I, I we'll go for it. Uh, you know, and I want to let everybody know that our our be- least hedging appetizer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our beloved host. You know, he's in a no win situation or no lose situation. Exactly. He always takes care of himself. Make sure it didn't matter who was going to win this bet. As being the host, he's going to come along and order <laughs> the meal for us, whoever's paying. So you know, you got to love RJ. But as far as this game goes, unfortunately. Uh, Looking at it, and when I saw the line, and more importantly, when I saw the total, the total to me dictated what was going to happen in this game. They put up a high number, I thought, on this game for a Duke-Villanova game. When you think of Villanova, you know, you think about the Big East and you you think Villanova and defense and so forth, but they put a high number, which means they're going to play a game out in the flow. And if they do play that type of game, I think it is to Duke's advantage because Duke's not going to pound the ball inside. That's not their game. Their game is from the perimeter, and they've shot close to 50% uh, the last couple games from the floor. I don't see Villanova shutting them down. It's going to be a game of who's going to be able to hit the outside shot, and that is Duke's forte. So I'd have to unfortunately say I'm going to have to give the advantage to VR. He is the favorite for getting the free meal. Okay, now 
clearly you weren't a fan of this Duke team, and and now here they are favored to get, be in the Elite Eight. Are they? What's going on with his team differently than you expected, or was it just their draw was so favorable? What's your take on Duke really as a team at this point? Well, they drew Binghamton in in the the first uh, round. In, well, well, clearly as a number two, you're yeah. gonna ha- you know you're gonna win. So they didn't have to worry there. And then the Texas game, although they did have some struggles with Texas, they were able to put them away. But Texas, I think the mistake they made in the game was, you know, they tried to play the, you know, the the tempo with Duke and and let Duke get those outside shots. They didn't pound the ball inside as much as they should have in the game. When in when they face a team that has defense and has a couple big guys inside, Duke's going to be in trouble. If they're not hitting from the outside, they're going to be one and done on their possessions, and that's where it's going to hurt. You cannot go three, four games deep into this tournament and rely strictly on outside shooting. That's my problem. They don't have a balanced game. Their defense is not that great. It's not like they can make up for it with defense. They need to keep the hot hand, and they've had it so far. Okay, moving on. Next game is we have... This is also in the uh, Boston bracket. I'm not sure exactly which bracket. Oh, the East, I'm sorry. Is we have Pittsburgh against Xavier. Pittsburgh is a seven-point favorite. Okay, we got Mr. Pittsburgh, Marco D'Angelo here. 46 years he spent in the city and uh, just moved out to Vegas over a year ago. And he really is plugged in with the Pittsburgh team. So let's start with Marco on this Pittsburgh-Xavier game. What's, your, what's some broad thoughts? We're taping on Tuesday. Well, I'm going to give you some broad strokes here, but it's going to be really broad because this is going to be a big play for me on Thursday night. I'm going to have a play in this game. And uh, Pitt, the first two games, uh, they came out against East Tennessee State. They were flat. I I think it was a carryover effect from getting ousted in the – Big East tournament early against their arch rival, West Virginia. Uh, They didn't take East Tennessee State seriously. Uh, They were not ready for the press of East Tennessee State. And the Pitt players uh, in post-game interviews actually said that, that uh, the press bothered them the entire game. Um, They made some adjustments with that in the next game. Um, I was on Pitt on Sunday, and unfortunately we came up just short. Um, I did mention that it would be an up-tempo game on Sunday, and that was one of the adjustments Pitt made because I knew that Oklahoma State would try to press them after they saw what East Tennessee State did. Pitt made adjustments, and they got the ball out in transition, and they were hitting their threes on Sunday, and the game went over the total. One thing that people may not realize about this game is the Xavier coach, Miller, is uh, a Pittsburgh boy. Uh, So a little bit of added motivation for him as a coach. Uh, And he's done an excellent job with this Xavier program taking it over. Uh, It's going to be a dogfight, but I do have a strong side on here. And actually, I may have a big play on the total uh, possibility of my total game of the year. Okay, excellent. And and you did lose the game on Sunday. I actually bet that game. And though we had a chance at the end, uh, there was a missed free throw. Clearly, Pitt was not uh, supposed to be laying eight in that. The way you know the, the underdog was aside in that game, and we could have won it. But but I think the right team won in that game. But still, and again, I love one of the things about what we try to do here is hey, we're going to lose a lot. We're gonna hopefully <laughs> historically we lose less than fifty percent of the time. But if you're hitting fifty seven percent, you're losing forty three, and that's just life. And if you can't deal with that, you're not ready to be a batter. So um, okay, now fourth game on Thursday. You don't want to ask VR if he's got anything on this one. Oh, well, you know, Mister Pittsburgh. I was like, well, what more needs to be said? But that's a good point, <laughs> Vegas runner. Now, uh, truth, I, I think this is a great game, and and when this line came out. I had to laugh a bit because it, it makes me look at LVSC and, and sometimes you it's things like this show you how off the odds makers are. When you look where they had Xavier ranked, when they brought out their end of the season tournament rankings and they had Xavier down as the 24th best team in the tournament, the lowest of a number four. They had Tennessee, a nine seed ahead of them. They had Clemson, a seven seed ahead of them. And here's Xavier. And when you look at this Xavier team, for an A-10 team, they played a tough schedule. When you look at their non-conference schedule, they beat Missouri. They beat Memphis. They beat Auburn. They beat Cincinnati. This team has been tested throughout the season. I like one thing with this game in particular. They will have the inside advantage 
on Pitt. A rarity when you go against Pitt. But I believe Xavier's height is going to cause a few problems for Pitt, and they will have to click from the outside. This is one of them games where, according to LVSC's numbers, the line should be 12. And yet they brought it out at 7, so just watching two games of each team, they had to adjust pretty quickly. That tells me something about this Xavier team that they didn't see early on, and uh, they just might shock some people. VR on Sunday, I, I did have Xavier, and that was exactly my point in my write-up on that game. This team is flying under the radar. Nobody, Big time. Nobody's looking at this Xavier team and giving them credit just because of that Atlantic 10. And every year, they play a great December schedule. They're not afraid to go out and play teams. And we said it in the podcast last week about the NCAA tournament. Look at these teams that play December games and play in and, and play tough teams. That sets these teams up for this format now. I think the advantage that Pitt has is that they, they didn't blow their opponents away in the first two rounds. So, I mean, I thought they'd come more focused in the second game, but now we're expecting them to come more focused in the Sweet 16. If they don't bring it there, uh, you know, Xavier could be a lot of trouble for him. Now, one comment I've been hearing a lot about, or one concept, is that this Pitt team is – having trouble because the games in the NCAA tournament are called a little tighter and, and being a physical team inside, that's problematic for them. A couple fouls and they have uh, with their big guy, they got some trouble. I'm not sure that's the case so far, but clearly not impressive. It's one thing to underplay one game, but you know, when you're a number one seed and you don't cover either game, you know, there's a message there is, is teams underperforming now? Is it going to turn around or not? You know, that's the question. And it's funny, I was thinking, uh, Mr. Pittsburgh, as we're calling Marco, is uh, <laughs> he went, Saturday we were down to Bellagio, and I was uh, playing some cards and watching the game, and uh, Marco came down, and he was eat, eating at the Bellagio buffet. I mean, it was like, uh, I, I won't talk about the volume of food, <laughs> but I will talk about the, the selection. The t- <laughs> is It was everything, if you had the nine most expensive things, it was all nine was what he was eating. And he was lit, just a big smile on his face. And he was, you know, trying to enjoy the meal, but then not want to rush back because he was playing two five, no limit. And, he, you know, he was anxious to play. And then he's playing and he's hitting sets. And it, it's just um, it's all, you know, though I'm significantly younger than Marco, <laughs> it, 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 there was almost like a, a mentoring element of this guy where, you know, and I, I asked board of the buffet. <laughs> Well, I could mentor him at both, actually. But and, and but the but the the key point to me was is here was a guy. I asked him, "What would you have been doing today if you were back in Pittsburgh?" And he he didn't answer. So I'm not sure what that means. But it, it was a really powerful experience. We would have probably been at a bar in Pittsburgh watching, uh, you know, Pitt get ready for Sunday and eating pierogies. That that would drinking, have been what, drinking natural light. Uh, no, Iron City's Iron. the <laughs> Iron City's the beer of Pittsburgh. You know, they pull it right out of the river. Uh, but yeah, thanks. It was a good day, and, and uh, RJ has said in one of his blogs and on a Twitter post, and you can follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, it's just the scene at the Bellagio this weekend was just absolutely crazy. Every bucket, the places erupting, and you know Saturday was probably as perfect as a day as you could have. Um, you know, I hit my big game on Saturday, playing cards in Vegas, just absolutely pulverizing the the Bellagio buffet after the Memphis game went final. At one point, I you know I heard the uh, <laughs> the chefs in the back go, no moss, no moss, like Roberto Duran, whatever. <laughs> they saw me coming. But, you know, that's Vegas. You know, you got to live the life. So a uh, couple comments is the Twitter stuff. Um, it's kind of funny is, uh, VR, you can tell the story real quick, is Twitter's been in the news associated with the NBA. You want to tell that story real quick? Yeah, actually, uh, players are, are, are signing up left and right on Twitter, and uh, a couple of them have taken the liberty of passing along solid information at halftime. So, uh, so when you say players, literally the NBA players. Yeah, and not, not the bench guys. I'm talking about the stars. And uh, the coaches are giving them the liberty, I believe. You know, they didn't make a big deal out of it. You had a couple commentators that said it wasn't right. But with the way technology has, has advanced, you're going to see every NBA guy Twittering for sure, and it's going to move on. It's a little tougher to do in football with the equipment, but <laughs> I could see more and more sports doing it. 
Well, and, and again, the whole concept of Twitter, if you're not familiar, is it's like a micro blog. It's very easy to blog uh, from your mobile phone or you can actually blog uh, from the computer just as easily. But it's for little one or two sentence updates, multiple updates throughout the day. Vegas Runners Twitter Twittering. And I got to say, it's, it's really amazing. He's given you literally the move by move description of what's happening on the Las Vegas Strip. If you haven't checked that out, you can check, uh, you know, I have a Twitter and so does Marco. Vegas Runners is really don't miss. You can go to pregame.com backslash Twitter and check out all of our accounts. And uh, really something that, you know, VR, your your uh, subscription numbers have blown up and it's free. So it's really something to check out. Okay, now before we move on to this last game, there's also a bet involving Pitt and Connecticut. Uh, VR, tell us about that bet. Well, uh, Marco being the pick guy, the Big East guy, and me also being the Big East guy, I, I loved Connecticut to win the Big East. Marco loved Pitt. But uh, we decided to make the wager who gets further in the tournament since obviously both were a lock to get in it. And naturally, they're on the opposite ends of, of the brackets. So we're going to find out who wins that one, who goes further. Right now, we're both in the Sweet 16, both favored to get to the Elite Eight, almost by the same amount of points. So this one's a good bet. And once again, you're going to reap the benefits. The way I'm looking at it is is, uh, I'm neutral on who wins that one, but I'll be there for the collection. Thank you. (laughs) Cheering it in. All right, now, a um, couple thoughts. One is actually, I, Marco's slightly favored in this. Uh, right now, I did a blog post of the true odds to win the tournament based upon the Vegas odds, but then adjusted to, to actually remove the juice. That's something no one does, and, and I have a, actually a proprietary formula for that. And uh, right now, Connecticut is... Um, uh, you know, Pitt is slightly favored over Connecticut. They're, to, they're to win. favored to win the whole over everyone. No, no, no. North Carolina is the big the- favor, but Pitt is above UConn when you stack them right, at this right. point. So, Marco, you're a slight favor. And really, if you think about it, Duke is only a two point favor. So, so. VR is a slight favorite in that one, but when he came to the office today, there was this sense that like VR had this huge smile on his face, and and Marco seems depressed. I'm not sure if what the mentality is here, but Vegas runner has the confidence. Well, Marco, why why is it that you, even though you're a slight favorite in one and a slight dog in the other, you have this pessimism about you? Uh, it didn't dawn on me today that. You're getting a free meal on both t- both deals, no matter what happens. That's what got me depressed. You should <laughs> once again. You got the best of it, <laughs> David Skolansky style. Okay, all right. Now let's move on to our fourth game: Memphis, Missouri. Memphis four and a half. I found this Missouri future number also very interesting. You can actually get about thirty-five to one on them uh, to win four more games. I- I'm not so sure that's not a good number. Okay, uh, Marco, what do you think about Memphis, Missouri? Memphis has been one of your teams. Well, I love Memphis, and I, you know, I've been on them all along. I'm going to be honest with you. This game's got me puzzled, and uh, this is the only uh, game at this point that I don't already have a uh, clear-cut decision on what I'm doing with the game. Um, the line's baffling me. Uh, I'm surprised that it came out at this number. I thought the line would be a little bit higher. And uh, the fact that Vegas opened it up at this number, they're giving the dog a lot of respect. And I'm got to rethink this. Memphis, they played super on Saturday, as you know, that's what I thought they would do after the sluggish performance in their opening round game. Maryland, you know, let's let's not overhype the game that Memphis played on Saturday because it was a bad spot for Maryland. Now, you you actually had your game your tournament game of the year on Memphis. Right. Maryland was a team that two weeks ago wasn't even going to get into the tournament. They made a late season run. Um, Coach Williams was getting a lot of heat because it was going to be the second year in a row that Maryland didn't make the big dance. And it's amazing the culture of college sports today that teams, coaches that have, you know, the credentials of Williams that won a national championship and how many, you know, NCAA double, you know, tournaments that they've been in, you miss two years in a row and all of a sudden they're talking about you're on the hot seat. So the fact that this team made a run and then won one game in the tournament, to me, I felt that team was satisfied. They wouldn't come out with as much focus as they did in a previous game, and Memphis was going to come out totally focused after a bad effort. Okay, so bad spot on that game, but looking at this game – 
I mean, again, sometimes the number just seems right, and and maybe that's the case here. Uh, any closing thoughts? Missouri is a team that's surprising how far that they've come along. They were in a dogfight, and another point from our podcast last week, how to handicap the tournaments. Teams coming out of dogfight games have an advantage moving forward because they've already been battle-tested. That game against Marquette on Sunday will serve Missouri well for this game if this is down to the wire. Okay, Vegas Runner, thoughts? I I, I have to disagree there. To tell you the truth, I thought this line came out higher than it should have. Um, for one reason only, when you look at all the other two-versus-three matchups, uh, Villanova, Duke, uh, Michigan State, Kansas, Syracuse, Oklahoma, they're all about a one, one-and-a-half, two-point spread. Um, this one you're looking at four-and-a-half. Now, so, Me- Memphis was considered the best number two, and they and a lot of people thought they should have been number one. Exactly. So. That, that's the reasoning for it. That and Missouri has not gotten any respect from anybody. I don't think too many people had them getting this far, as a matter of fact. Um, when I broke this – I'm starting to break the games down, actually. Looking at this one – I was surprised that I felt Missouri has the much better offense. While the defensive edge is going to go to Memphis, obviously, that's probably the best defensive team, them and Louisville. But where I'd like Missouri in this one, not as far as saying I'm going to bet it, but as far as the game, that they will be able to play either quick or, or slow. That's their advantage. Missouri prefers to run, but they're a team that's been able to slow it down all year. Um, and they could beat you running, and they could beat you in a half-court offense, where I think for Memphis, you know, they're, they're going to want to dictate the tempo. So I, I give that part of the edge to Missouri. Again, when you look at these teams as experience and height, they're very well ma- evenly matched. When you look at their strength of schedules, very evenly matched. This, to me, is one of the best games of the four um, that we spoke about. It's one that I can't make it a, a play on yet i still got to work on it i'm just thinking it's going to be a better game than many believe okay now actually this missouri team uh we have uh one of the things we pride ourselves at pregame.com is having specialists in certain areas we've been talking about marco and pittsburgh is one of our handicappers spartan is a missouri specialist big 12 specialist but missouri specifically and he actually had a top rated triple dime play on missouri in both of the first two rounds so he, he really liked this team and and i'll be interested to see what he thinks uh for this thursday game okay uh before we move on to segment number two which we're, we'll be breaking down friday's games is um one last thought is uh we talked about xavier being under the radar if you actually read the blog posts, and again, you can get our blog post at pregame.com and click blogs, or you can go directly pregameblogs.com, is um, actually Xavier is the least favorite team or the biggest underdog um, at about over 50 to 1 to win it all. So this is the least or, or the um, lowest regarded team left in the tournament right now, and as you guys had said. Okay. So that's segment one. We'll be right back with segment two, talking about Friday's matchups. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right. Join Pregame.com for free, and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. And we're back. This is a sports betting preview podcast from pregame.com, special Sweet 16 edition, segment two, Friday's games. Okay, let's get straight to it. First game up, 705. Louisville, Arizona, biggest favorite on the board, Louisville minus nine, Vegas runner. No surprise there. The number 12 seed that made it this year is Arizona. And if you remember heading into the tournament, that's the team that was last to get the invite, the team that shouldn't be there. And once again, a team that is expected not to, not to, that shouldn't be there ends up Going into the Sweet 16. So, so when so. you say they shouldn't be there, in retrospect, uh, they sh- you know they clearly are one of the best 64 teams. Obviously, and the committee did the right thing, and, and yet all the journalists were wrong by saying, how can you get a team that lost five of their last six into the tournament? Now, what's interesting is that 
Arizona was actually favored in both their first and second round matchup. So in Vegas's eyes, the Arizona being in the Sweet 16 was what was supposed to happen. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's where the public perception was off. And it's interesting. Well, not only public, per- no, the public perception wasn't necessarily off because Arizona wasn't bad. You know, the uh, Utah, for example, in round one wasn't bad heavy. Right, right. So right. what was off was the committee. Is the committee, you know, when you think about it, Vegas versus the committee, in this case, Vegas had a much different opinion about Arizona than the committee did. And in this case, Vegas won. In fact, Vegas picked 15 of the 16 final or uh, Sweet 16 teams. Is if you were to just played the favorites in round one and just played the favorites in round two, um, you would have picked 15 of the 16. The only one being Purdue, who was only a one-point underdog, the smallest of underdogs. And if it wasn't for that one point, it would have been 16 out of 16. Now, now looking at Arizona and the Louisville matchup, I'm going to surprise a couple of you out there and let tell you that Arizona had the more difficult schedule this year. Um, they had the sixth toughest schedule in all of college basketball, and that's pretty surprising considering they're playing Louisville, Big East team, who we all know the Big East is the toughest conference this year. Even their non-conference schedule was tougher than Louisville's. But here's one of them games that pits a great offense versus a great defense. If you think the offense is enough to win, you got to back Arizona. If you think defense wins, you got to back Louisville. I mean, this is as much of a contrast in strengths as you're going to get because Arizona doesn't rely on defense at all, where Louisville does. And the other way around, Louisville don't depend, don't need to score 80 points to win where Arizona needs to score. So matchup's going to be huge in this one, breaking down the matchup of the teams. Interesting. Um, I, I like the idea of, like you said, the D versus the offense. And, and in the tournament, what's more important, clearly as a nine-point favor, we're seeing uh, the lines makers are looking at the defense is more important. Marco, your thoughts on this game? Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to defer on this game till we get to our free pick section because this is the game I'm giving my free pick on. So I'll Uh-oh. give my stuff there. Interesting. All right. So remember, in the third segment, we give free picks every week. And uh, this is our weekly sports betting preview show. Each week, third segment, free picks. And uh, some of our cappers have been on fire. So I'm interested to see the picks. Okay, moving on. Next game, 725. Oklahoma, a one-point favorite over Syracuse. Okay, Vegas runner. Well, I have Oklahoma on a future, so here's another team I'm pulling Okay, for. so let's talk about that. That You actually have a 50-to-1 on that. When did you make that play? Fifth, the, this exact same day, uh, the exact same sports books that I, I bet the uh, Connecticut future. I, I bet Oklahoma as well. Now, uh, four games away from the final, you're not hedging yet, I assume. Absolutely not. Um, I'm, I, I feel that I have the best of it going in, that one of my two futures should at least get to the Elite Eight Final Four, and then I'll look at it. But uh, I haven't picked a winner for this Syracuse-Oklahoma game. So as of right now, absolutely no hedge. Now, what percentage of your futures would you say is the two big numbers you've gotten, uh, the 50-1 to 1 on Oklahoma, 25-1 to 1 on Connecticut, were bet uh, in October, even before uh, the first games were played. What percentage of your futures do you play before the season starts and what percentage after? Uh, for every sport except baseball. I, I play before the season starts. For, Ex- exclusively. Exclusively. The NFL, I, I like to watch the preseason, obviously, because of injuries. Uh, but for ba- NBA, college basketball, hockey, everything else, I like to do it before the season begins. And like I said, only baseball. I like to at least watch two weeks of it. Now, how many futures did you uh, play for college basketball this year? That's it, two. Oh, two. Unbelievable. All right, so you're doing well with that. Okay, so... Uh, continue with the game, please. Uh, again, this this is a great game. These two teams, rating-wise, are extremely close. Um, you got to give the edge to Oklahoma for having the best player in college basketball. And when you have someone that dominant that can take over a game, you got to give the team the edge. I also like that they're, they're a very tall team. And, and experience-wise, they're right there in the middle of college basketball. The one thing that I think Syracuse lacks is that shutdown D. I know they play that great zone D, but I, I've seen some holes in it. Um, when you see Arizona State put up 767 on them, Oklahoma put up. I mean, uh, Stephen F. Austin couldn't score on them, but I think Oklahoma will be able to score on them. That is what will be the difference of this game. Will Oklahoma be able to break that zone? I think they've seen enough of it in the Big 12. 
Um, again, should be a great game. I, I think Syracuse has surprised me, so I have to look at that team a little deeper. Now, it, I think one of the concepts that we've agreed to in the How to Handicap podcast uh, on on the uh, March Madness is that if you have a quirky offense or quirky defense, and Syracuse has that quirky zone, is it's a disadvantage for the team they're playing to be playing the B game of the weekend because the B game usually has about 48 hours between the games. In this case, Oklahoma's had a, a long run-up uh, four or five days to get ready for that uh, zone, which might be an advantage for Oklahoma. Okay, Marco, what's your thoughts on this game? Well, this game, just like we talked earlier with the Villanova-Duke game, it all comes down to tempo. If Syracuse gets this game played in the 60s, Syracuse wins. If they try to run with Oklahoma, which Syracuse can play both styles, they're at a huge disadvantage if they try to run with Oklahoma. Oklahoma has the better athletes to play a transition game, and you need to handicap tempo to be able to pick the winner in this game. I think that Oklahoma – the clock's going to strike midnight for the Cinderella-Syracuse. I think they're going to try to run with Oklahoma, which is going to be a huge mistake. What I find interesting is, hypothetically, if Syracuse would have lost in the first overtime against UConn in the Big East tournament, what would this line be right now? Uh, that's a good question, RJ. Uh, probably would have Oklahoma two and a half, maybe a three point favorite. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I I think there's a couple points that that are being swayed by that run in the Big East tournament, and clearly Syracuse uh, and give them all the credit in the world, but was they were behind in every overtime until the last overtime. And uh, I'm not so sure this team isn't slightly overrated right now. And I think Oklahoma seems to be uh, very underrated. I mean, this was a team that even six weeks ago um, was one of the best teams in the country, was almost a certain number one seed. There was the injury. And then it took a couple games after the injury to reintegrate uh, the player back in the lineup, so so I think it's a situation. It's, this might the timing might be right for this Oklahoma team, and clearly at almost a pick and game, they're not being highly regarded right here. Again, uh, not to beat one of our principles, but if this game stays tight, advantage goes to Syracuse because of that overtime game. I mean, they've seen everything in that six overtime game. That's why I think that uh, Oklahoma should try to push the tempo, and that's the key to the game for them. Okay, third game on slate, 9.35 start. Michigan State is a two-point favorite over Kansas. Vegas runner. Uh, Two teams that highly depend on youth to win. I know this far along in the tournament, that's usually surprising. And the good thing for both of these teams is that they're both young. So you don't have one of these games where you have a young Kansas team going up against an extremely mature Connecticut team here you have two very young teams uh, so no one has the edge there but when you look at at Kansas Kansas loves to run they have the athletes to do it where Michigan State prefers to play that half court they prefer to play defense they don't mind pressing at all and uh, Izzo says this is one of his best defensive teams this is one of the best teams he's coached Uh, because I think he feels like he's created them. You're looking at, like I said, freshmen and sophomores and no big stars. No, nobody's leaving at the end of this year, most likely of them sophomores and freshmen. So I'm looking at this team in the future, but looking at this game, once again, I think the number's right, RJ. Uh, What number else can, what number could you really put out there except a one or one and a half spread? And you got to give Michigan state the small edge. Personally, I, I look at this, and, and again, I'm a big fan of Kansas. Uh, one of my best buddies uh, works for KU, and the reality is is this is a very young team, and the fact they're almost a pick against Michigan State I think shows the general disregard the Big Ten is getting at this point. Marco, thoughts? Well, I agree with you with Kansas as far as this team is a young team gelled at the end of the season. They came down the stretch with an impressive run. They only lost two games down the stretch, and one of those games was a bad scheduling spot when they went to Texas Tech after a nationally televised game against Missouri. You excuse that loss. And then the other loss was the first-round game in the the Big 12 uh, tournament when they had already beaten Baylor during the regular season. Uh, This team's focused. They've played well. 
Um, they had a sluggish game the first game against North Dakota State, uh, but they still prevailed by 10. Uh, and it's not uncommon to see a team you know, struggle in the first game as a big favorite. Um, they manhandled Dayton. Uh, again, it was Atlantic 10 team. Uh, the perception of the Big 12 versus the Big 10, um, you got to give the edge to the Big 12 there. Um, they can play both styles of tempo, advantage to um, Kansas there. Michigan State, they play a better half-court game. I don't think they're as comfortable if it's an up, up-tempo game. So uh, this is one of probably the most competitive games on the Friday card, obviously by the line. And I got a slight opinion on the game, but it's not etched in stone yet. Now, if if you think about it, you got the, the unequivocally best team in the Big Ten against – perhaps the third or fourth best team of the Big 12. Now, some may say the best team of the Big 12. That's open to debate, and it's almost a pick em game. So if you really do believe the Big 10 is underrated, here's a spot you'd want to step in. I would make one comment. Um, I, that Dayton game with Kansas, Dayton was considered to be the worst at-large team in the tournament by the odds makers here in town. And uh, winning that game impressively was noteworthy, no doubt, by Kansas. But again, that Dayton team uh, was very lucky. Not lucky, but it was very surprising that they were able to beat West Virginia. And uh, and, and again, uh, that's something that I know from my uh, friend is that Kansas did not want to play West Virginia. And uh, so they were very relieved to play Dayton and did very well in that game. Okay, moving on. Next game we have in the final game, North Carolina, who is favored to win it all and actually by a significant margin by Las Vegas against Gonzaga, eight-and-a-half-point favorite North Carolina. Vegas run. Uh, Playing in Memphis, Tennessee for this one is going to give a huge edge to Carolina, I think. Gonzaga was playing close to home in the first two games in the Portland bracket, so I I think that helped them along there. But uh, this one, they're playing in Carolina's pretty much backyard. It should be a a pro-Carolina fan base. When I looked at these two teams, they're a lot closer than the point spread shows. And believe it or not, I was a little surprised that the opening move went up instead of down. I really thought as soon as the number went out that the Sharps were going to grab the points with this one. But I think they're going to sit back and wait, thinking that the way that the favorites covered this past weekend, that once again, the public might drive these lines up. So they might be waiting for the weekend or, or the, the weekday. I mean, the end of the week to grab the value. You guys, uh, real quick, I'll jump in. You can go to pregamelines.com or go to pregame.com and click lines and odds, and you get to see the opening number for each game, then the current number from five online books and a Las Vegas number and a money line. The advantage I think Gonzaga has is that they're going to have a height advantage underneath. They're definitely longer than than Carolina. And I really think they're a better defensive team than Carolina. And they've definitely been playing better down the stretch. Um, The Ty Lawson thing, you know, injury is a lot bigger than people imagine. I mean, this guy runs the team more or less. He he might not be a senior. He's only a junior. But still, there's a lot, you know, they rely on him a whole lot. So I was a little surprised at this number. But once again, it's Carolina. You said it best when they're still the favorite to win it all. So, you know, I shouldn't be that surprised by the number. But I think Gonzaga's still a little underrated. Marco? Um, I agree with you. Hold on a second. VR, who's the host? Oh, my bad. RJ? (laughs) Marco. I don't want to talk now. No. The, uh, I got to agree with VR that the Gonzaga, the perception coming into this game is going to be they were lucky to get past Western Kentucky, and now they're traveling across country, which is going to be a huge disadvantage to them. What's being lost here in this is this is the natural tempo that Gonzaga likes to play. North Carolina wants to get up and down the floor, and that's Gonzaga's game. You know, so you that's a huge advantage for them to be able. They're not going to be out of their comfort zone. Um, I think they they should be able to run with North Carolina. Um, the line is what it is because it's North Carolina. The public loves them. All the future bets have North Carolina. They're, everybody's brackets got North Carolina in the championship game. Uh, I think there's value with Gonzaga here. You're absolutely right. I, I'm really surprised that the in VR you made the point that the loss and injury uh, is being disregarded. It seems it's almost like oh, it's Superman. Oh, he's got a sprained ankle. He's going to be okay. But North Carolina is perceived as the Superman 
typically in college basketball, but they're human beings. And when you're hurt, you're hurt. And the fact that they're by, you know, significantly favored to win it all and a team like Louisville and Connecticut are you know, below them by a real significant margin tells me that this team didn't, even if they were healthy, they didn't show that that strongly during the regular season. The fact that they're not healthy, I think that uh, North Carolina in general is, is fade material here. Okay, so we've broken down um, all eight games, and now we're going to be coming up with segment number three where you're going to get a free pick. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to pregame.com and click forms or visit directly through pregameforms.com where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. And we're back, segment three, Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, special Sweet 16 edition, always in segment three, free picks. Now, often, typically, we have our question of the week, which you go to the forums, pregameforums.com, or go to pregame.com and click forms, and we have an open thread where you can ask the experts questions, during March Madness, we are so chock full of game breakdowns. Uh, we're suspending the question of the week, but we'll be back the week after March Madness with the question of the week. Okay, who's hot? That's something we talk about. Pregamepros.com is where you can get the premium picks. And the question is, who's hot? Usually I throw this question to Marco. I'm so excited about the hotness of our cappers right now that I want to talk about it. There's a sports monitor out there. It's called Does Sports Monitor. They're the biggest documenter of picks on the planet. They, uh, you pay a fee, you give them your picks, and they tell you who's winning, who's losing, so you can trust the numbers. Um, clearly, pregame.com prides itself on giving you legitimate numbers, but again, having a documenter helps, uh, especially if you're not as familiar with our site, to believe the numbers. Now, there's... I think there's about 100 handicappers that do this. I'm not sure the exact number. And right now, the number one handicapper by win percentage in the entire world is Stan Sharp, one of our key cappers. He's a one-play-a-day uh, one guy in uh, Las Vegas batter. Um, Marco, what's his uh, – I can't remember. What's his win streak or his uh, win percentage so far? And uh, He's hitting over 85% in March Madness. So like 11, 11 and, and 2. 11 and 2 so far in March Madness. And number two on the list is the Kingmaker, one of our uh, pregame pros. Kingmaker does amazing analysis on the forums, too, for free. And uh, he is right below, I mean, uh, 81%, I think, and has had an amazing run on totals. I mean, amazing. And then... Vegas Runner is number one in the world on net units one, which as a volume player, that is what he's going to do best at. So, I mean, it's really pure domination by the pregame.com guys, and uh, we're, everyone's very excited about the Sweet 16. Speaking of that, each week in the podcast, we have a coupon, a $10 discount for any pro uh, you want, any premium pick you want. You can get $10 off, Marco. Well, it's Sweet 16 round, so we're going to go Sweet 10. Just type in the word Sweet in the number 10, and you're going to get $10 off. Just go to Pregame Pros, make whatever purchases you want when you get to the shopping cart. Just type in for the coupon code Sweet 10, and you get $10 off your purchase. That coupon will be valid through Monday, and uh, it's a one-time use coupon. And uh, the coupon usage each week goes up and up. So we're happy you guys are enjoying that discount. Okay, free picks. Vegas Runner, you were 5-0 and going into last week. Took it on your free stuff here at the podcast. Took a loss. You're 5-1. and Hit us this week. Well, because I really, really love these Sweet 16 games, RJ and really expect to drop some big bombs Thursday and Friday. Uh, let's get back to the fight game. That's where we hit our five straight, so let's get to it. This one's an ESPN matchup, ESPN 2 Friday night fight, so you could watch it for free. And it's a heavyweight one. It's a big one. Samuel Peters is fighting Eddie Chambers. You got Samuel Peters coming off his, this is going to be his comeback fight after getting destroyed 
by Vitaly Klitschko losing his title last fall. I'm going to tell you something about Eddie Chambers. He's got one loss only. He's as slick as they come. And when I look at this total, the over-under, and the over's favored by 2-1, to one, it tells me you're looking at a decision. This kid's smart enough not to get an exchange with Peter, and I believe he just has too much slickness, too much style, and he could just stick and move all night and win a decision and move on. This is a must-win for both guys. Eddie Chambers isn't ranked in the top 10. Very few know his name except guys who really follow the fight game. Samuel Peters is that big-name guy, had the title. Everyone thinks he's going to come back. That was the end of his career, I'm telling you now. This isn't by accident that Chambers is a minus-120 favorite. I only expect it to move in one direction. So lay the 120, take Eddie Chambers over Sam Peters, watch it for free, ESPN2 Friday night, and uh, hopefully we go 5-1, and 6-1. and one. All right, so you're saying that you expect this number to go up, so bet it early. Absolutely, because most people that are going to bet this game, sharp people, are going to lay Eddie, are going to see what I saw with Eddie Chambers and lay the 120. Now, remember, is a lot of places, uh, if you're outside of Vegas, don't take boxing. A lot of locals maybe don't only take the biggest fights. You can go to pregameaction.com and see the best deals from the most trusted online sports books. Okay, Marco, you are 4-2 and two with your free picks. Well, I'm going to go to a Sweet 16 game, give you guys a treat. We're going to go to Friday night, the Arizona-Louisville game. And as we talked about in an earlier game, this game mirrors it. And this really mirrors the Maryland-Memphis game. You have Arizona that a lot of people felt should not be in the big dance. They were surprised they got an at-large bid. They won their first two games. That legitimized them. They got their sense of accomplishment. Now they're going up against a Louisville squad that Patino will have been cracking the whip all week. This team, he was not happy after this Siena game on Sunday. He is going to drill them in practice this week. The number is high, and it's high for a reason. Look for Louisville to come out with fire in their eyes Friday night. I think Louisville wins this game by 15 or more. Okay. All right, so let's see if the hot streaks continue. Uh, Steven Nover, who's going to be rejoining us uh, once March Madness is over as an NBA expert, um, he's also on a hot streak with his free pick, so we look forward to that after the uh, college basketball season wraps up. Okay, typically I've been given futures and, and general recommendations, but... I like a game. 90% of the games I bet are from, about 45% of them are from pregame pros uh, that I follow. About 45% are from uh, private professional sources I have in Las Vegas. And about 10% are my own picks. This is going to be one of mine. I'm not sure I'll I'll make this a, a premium play with my bet like a pro program. But we'll see. Gonzaga. It's North Carolina teams overrated. They're injured. Gonzaga, and I know a number of pros here in town, think this is the best Gonzaga team, uh, even though they don't have the marquee value that some of the other teams with Morrison or whatever did, is this is a very good team getting eight and a half or maybe even nine points against an overrated team. I'm going with Gonzaga, and it's really that simple. Okay, this has been our uh, Sweet 16 edition. We'll be back next Tuesday with our um, Final Four uh, podcast, and we'll be breaking down the uh, Saturday and Monday Final Four games. And uh, you can listen to all the podcasts. Actually, we started a new series. It's called Meet the Pros. And um, Evan Altimos, one of our pregame pros, did a nice spot with us when he came to Vegas. You can get to know him and and how he handicaps. We'll be uh, doing that with all our pros in the months to come. And Vegas Runner and I are going to be doing a long series with his background. We might have to make that an R-rated podcast. I'm not sure how to go about that. Looking forward to it. (laughs) But uh, you can check all the podcasts, pregamepodcast.com. This has been the Sports Betting Preview Show. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game.